You're listening to Intrepid Healthcare's exclusive coverage of the HIMSS Annual Conference and Exhibition. Welcome to HIMSS 15 Direct from Chicago. Our coverage is brought to you by CTG Health Solutions, your trusted advisor for healthcare IT advisory and consulting services. And now, here are your hosts, Joe Lavelle and Ray Ann Thorne. Welcome to a special episode of Intrepid Healthcare Live from the HIMSS 15 exhibition floor in Chicago. I'm your host, Joe Lavelle, and I'm really excited to be bringing you Talk HIT with CTG with my friend and co-host, Rayanne Thorne, from our remote studio right here in the CTG Health Solutions booth. Rayanne, let's give a quick shout out to our sponsor, CTG. What a great partner they are. Absolutely, Joe. We are rocking the mics in the South Expo Hall at booth 1580 with CTG Health Solutions, results-driven team members, and value-based integrated solutions. Joe, let's get going. We're really excited, though, to talk to our first guest, David Chow, the CIO of University of Mississippi Medical Center. Welcome to the show, David. Thank you for having me, guys. Oh, we're so excited. Tell us a little bit about you and your background before we get started, today. I've been sort of traveling the world journey, I would say, the last few years. Originally from California and Los Angeles, pretty much grew up there, started my healthcare career, and then about, let's say, four years ago, I decided to take on this worldwide journey throughout the world. So I worked overseas in Abu Dhabi in the Middle East wow. with Cleveland Clinic, uh, where we're, they were building a flagship hospital and joint venture between Cleveland Clinic of, of Ohio and the government of Abu Dhabi. That is the, at that moment in time, we called it the first digital hospital where we try to be as much paperless as we can. Obviously, we didn't achieve full paperless integration, but we came up with the phrase, let's be paper light, because a lot of our partners were not ready to be completely right. paperless. And then the opportunity came along uh, at the University of Mississippi Medical Center where they allowed me to consolidate and run all three verticals, which makes it a little bit unique because I run not only healthcare but I run higher education and research. So if you compare us with the other academic medical centers throughout the U.S., there's always a competing CIO that runs healthcare only and higher education and the School of Medicine. So that consolidated, that consolidated model allowed me to a little bit more flexibility in terms of making decisions, and that was pretty much the carrot that they get dangled in front of me to join Mississippi. That's great. Why don't you just give us a 10,000-foot overview of what the University of Mississippi Medical Center yeah. does? There are arguably the largest employer in the state of Mississippi with about 10,000 plus employees. There are seven hospitals, 35 plus various clinics. We have a really nice and big telemedicine program that has grown tremendously to about over 160 sites. Sites could be ranging from corporate health, other rural hospitals, clinics. And we're we're trying to really grow that with the mission of uh, providing the best value care for the state of Mississippi. We're also a state entity. So we're regulated by uh, state rules and regulations and being also a safety net hospital. So if you look at providing care in the state of Mississippi, we are with the only level one trauma center and the only children's hospital. Outstanding. And you have a lot of thought leaders from the University of Mississippi. David, I follow you on Twitter. You're my CIO. Go to where I learn information about healthcare, And then Lee Williams and Dr. John Showalter on the revenue cycle side. So you guys are doing great things. Speaking My Twitter of which? hashtag is DCHOU1107, so DCHOU1107. Okay. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about all these years we spent on meaningful use. What would you have done differently now that you look back and you see painfully meeting some of the requirements that may not have been conceived all that well, and now where you are, where you're beyond meaningful use stage two? Right. 
So I think meaningful use was a good first stage in, ter- in terms of getting folks to be electronic. If you think about the mission of just getting things to be documented in a computer system, that was, I think they met that first objective. But I think what I would have thought about done differently, looking back from a rules of regulation perspective, is really a lot of us going through just checking the boxes. Right. Let's let's focus not let's focus a little bit deeper dive instead of just checking the boxes. One example is patient patient portal, patient engagement. We we just go through and meet the bare minimum threshold. But when I really reflect back and view that patient as a consumer, I don't I don't think we're there yet. Um, we meet the minimum threshold, but we're not really truly engaging with the patients to where a consumer is really happy with healthcare. So I think we think about from that perspective, that's something I would like to change and think about if we're able to do it over again. Hey, Rayanne, did we hear that? Yeah, I did. did. We're not really engaging with the patient. We're not really engaging with the patients. (laughs) We just interviewed Mm. e-patient Dave. Dave. So (laughs) we are fired up about patient advocacy right now. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, the model that healthcare really needs to move towards is the retail model. Think about how we live on a daily basis. You buy Amazon online. How quickly is it to buy an Amazon product? It probably takes two, three seconds. And you hold Amazon responsible right? for that great product, right? Right, exactly. So healthcare is going to have to move to that mentality. Obviously, you can't perform surgery that quickly. But think about us as consumers going to see doctors. This 80% of the time is really a chronic, acute stuff. Very simple stuff that could be done in 10, 15 minutes. Right. So I think that's the expectation now as we move to the world where people want things on demand. The world has changed now versus before. You want things now. So how's healthcare going to adopt that? That's, that's the next challenge. Are, are they ready to even think about that? Most are not. Most are not. Uh, you know, the progressive folks are. You know, that's why you're seeing the retail mar- market really coming in. Right. Right. Walgreens is a keynote today. There's a reason for them tapping to the largest G- GDP in the U.S. Right. right. So, that's crazy. Tell us about ICD-10. I know you guys, I mentioned that Dr. Showalter and Lee have really been thought leaders on that, but what's your take on ICD-10? Is it going to happen? There's so many <laughs> providers yeah. that aren't yeah. ready. I think it will happen this time. I think this is going to be a go. I think it wow. will. I haven't seen too many pushbacks. Obviously, a good friend of mine, Robert Waugh, you probably saw the <laughs> press that he had out there, but a lot of doctors are not ready. I mean, the matter of fact is, if you forget about ICD-10, think about going electronic for a physician. Right. It does take longer for them to work. There's no doubt about it, but the benefits are downstream. But for them on a daily practice, yeah, going electronic, it is taking a lot longer for them to do things. And when you add in the number of codes from ICD-9, ICD-10, that's a big challenge. But then when I think about the fact that when I was international, I, everyone was on ICD-10 already. Right. right? So that's, that's a... So we're, we're behind. We are. Right. Right. If it was up to me, I was saying, let's just get through it. Because organizations <laughs> have spent millions of dollars preparing for it. And the cost of the impact of change is huge. Even right. for us, we probably wasted and burned a lot of money because of this change. Well, and the, and the reprioritization each year when it doesn't happen. Right. So you got to reschedule all your projects and all your initiatives around another year's delay. But last year, here at Hims, big data was the buzzword. Everybody was talking uh, about everybody's it. Everybody's been talking they, about it. They had all their PowerPoint slides. This year, it seems to be more about more pinpointed predictive analytics. What's your take on where the market is there? Are you guys doing anything relative to either one of those and having any success there? The problem with truly with healthcare is everyone talks about big data, but I want to use the term everyone only has EMR data. Right? That's all they're focusing on, EMR data. There's no, they're not getting data sources from anything else. So where we're at at the universities, we went live with Epic about three years ago. Moving from paper to digital was a big transformation already. So now we actually have 
I was pretty comfortable to say a source of truth in terms of the data because we went towards a consolidated model with our EMR vendor. So we do have at least a source of truth. Now, what we're building on the first phase is let's, let's figure out how to get the data to the hands of the users so that they can act on it. We have a platform that allows the users to really get their hands on data, drill down to wherever they need so they can take action. That's the first phase. And then as we mature, then we'll really look at the second phase of big data. we really look at enterprise business solutions. But I just don't think we're ready for that yet. Right. When I talk to my counterparts at other similar-sized organizations, we're all struggling with the same sort of problem right now. I mean, the basic question is, what do you want to do with, with the data? What problem are you going to solve? And you, you probably won't get a really concrete answer yet from most folks. Now, you put that in a great perspective because big data, I've tried to be a student and understand other industries. They're taking data from all data sources, consumer, publicly available data as well as proprietary and mixing that data and, and making real predictions. In healthcare, I said what we were doing last year wasn't big data, it was small data. We take a data right. set and right. we create a solution, whether that's reducing infections or something that is very meaningful, yep. but it's not big data. Big exactly. data is huge data models. You understand right. every, where every piece of data is. You control the data. And in healthcare, and how they interact, how they interact with each other. I mean, you could speak to this better than I. Controlling your data when you have all these systems. I mean, which we found out in Y2K, you know, a health system could have 200 applications. Right. And we found it out again with ICD-10 as we remediate. There's 50 revenue cycle applications. Right. So governance is key, right? <laughs> governance, how do you govern the process and make sure everyone has access to data? Uh, especially for us, we have over 600 applications. So think about from that approach, we have researchers that are great data scientists. I mean, these guys can crunch numbers, come up with these complex queries, and they want access to data. So how do you govern that and, and be in compliance with the policies? That, that's what we're figuring out right now. Um, Dr. John Showalter is doing a great job of putting that piece together in terms of data governance. But I think we're, we're still very immature in healthcare in terms of big data. You hit a spot on when you said little data. That's I right. still EMR data. I mean, are you doing anything outside of EMR? Very I love few that. Are. I love it. We'd love to give people like you a chance to brag on your team back home. Can you tell us about a successful project you guys had this year and what you learned and pat a few folks on the back, I guess? You know, the revenue virtually. cycle has done a great job. I think coming into the organization, like every other EMR install, there's always a slight dip in your revenue. I mean, you hear the stories nationally as far as huge revenue losses after big implementation. So thank, thank goodness we didn't have any huge losses, but we saw some dip and we knew there was tons of opportunities. So we worked really hard on the revenue cycle side, whether it's optimization of the system, workflow and process, and just governance. And we actually did very well. If you look at our net revenue this year, we actually plus 5% net uh-huh. And that's a big number for a $2 billion organization. Oh, yeah. And so that, I think that was a key success for, um, in terms of the team really focusing on, on revenue because, I mean, at the end of the day, the money doesn't flow in. We can't do anything, whether it's IT and patient care. So it's really important for us to capture that revenue and keep that momentum going. Outstanding. What are some of the things you hope to accomplish this next year? This next year, I really want to, from a technology aspect, you look at traditional CIOs and their, their tech teams, no, I really want to move my infrastructure out. I don't want to be in the business of managing infrastructure. So utilizing the latest technology like cloud, social, mobile. I mean, these are what's already out there. Healthcare is a little bit slower in adopting. So I think getting that piece is a big first step for me, just to not manage pure core technology and really have my folks deliver solutions, change that mindset of solutions versus 
babysitting technology. Outstanding. And what do you what do you hope to accomplish here at Hams Fifteen? I think lots of great vendors, lots of solutions. I'm really looking to uh, interact with some of the startups. Uh, some of these major players, we know the solutions they have, but I'm really intrigued to see the startups. Every time I go out to Silicon Valley, talk to these startups groups, they have great solutions, but they just can't tap into the traditional healthcare. So I'm looking to bring something innovative back, hopefully, and do something a little bit different. Anything in particular? Any startup in particular? Or Not topic? Any, yeah, or topic. I would say... Telemedicine is a big one. There's tons of solutions around telemedicine. How do you provide mobile care anywhere, anytime? So that's a big thing for me. Mobility is a big practice for me for next year when you look at a high-level topic and solution I want to bring, whether it's for the students, clinicians, researchers. It's really about access anywhere, anytime. Hey, David, before we let you go, where can people go to contact you and learn more about University of Mississippi Medical Center? I'll say Twitter is a great way. Follow me on Twitter, DCHOU1107. LinkedIn, you can find me on LinkedIn. Just type in my name in the University of Mississippi. Awesome. Those are the great tools that we have these days in terms of interacting in addition to traditional emails and phone. Great. It was a real pleasure to have you. Thanks for Thank joining us. Thank you, guys. Us. All right. That wraps our broadcast live from HIMSS 15. Again, we want to do a quick shout-out to our sponsor, CTG, on behalf of our guests. David Chow and my co-host, Rayanne Thorne. I'm Joe Lavelle, and Intrepid Healthcare's live coverage from Chicago. We'll be right back.